bringing hope to many around the globe, transforming lives into legacies. Live in Word with Pastor Mensah Otobil. And now, today's word. Every African is afraid of demons and, and all kinds of spiritual forces and attacks. And one of the ways to frighten any African is to appeal to that. Whether he's a president, or he's a film actor, or he's a pastor, they're all afraid of the devil. Because when we're growing up, that fear was grain, was dread, and I'd be careful. Oh. I remember when we were in secondary school, there was supposed to be a, a very tall ghost who paraded on the campus of our school. Most secondary schools have that. And we gave that names. And people supposedly saw that figure and so on and so forth. So that whole fear of the demonic is so ingrained in you. That's why if somebody says he's going to go to a river to curse you, fear hits you. Or you hear that somebody's against you and takes some eggs and hit them on the ground and makes incantations and decree your destruction, fear hits you. But the gospel is the power of God. Not only over sin, but to secure you in Christ. When you are in Christ, you are secured. They may throw a dozen eggs. They may even go to a poultry farm and buy all the eggs and throw them at every river from the Nile to the Amazon. But it will not harm you. You are in the hand of the creator of rivers. You are in the hand of the creator of the fowl. You are in the hand of the creator of the egg. And no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Your security is not based on which church you attend. It is based on whose hand you are in. And the gospel is the power of God for our salvation. It secures the saved in Christ. And it settles the destiny of the saved. The gospel provides salvation that settles our destiny. The eternal destination for the believer is not a guesswork. The gospel gives us a visa for heaven. When we get saved, where we spend eternity is settled. There's no anxiety about, hey, I'm not sure. Maybe I may go to hell. I have to be careful. Maybe I may go to heaven. I don't even know. Only God knows. But the believer knows too. And we don't know because we are good people or we are church people. We know because Jesus Christ promised, I go to prepare a place for you. That where I am, there you may be also. You cannot be in Christ and be in another place from where he is. If you are in Christ, you are where Christ is. It secures and it settles the destiny of the same. So what does the gospel do? Provide salvation. It saves a sinner from sin, secures those who are saved in Christ, and settles the destiny of the saved. Third question. Is this third question? Okay, third question. Who is the gospel for? 
For whom is the gospel designed? Is the gospel for any special group of people? Are there groups of people who are excluded from it? Well, the passage we read answers the question. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone. I don't know whether you are everyone. Are you everyone? Or maybe you, you, when they say everyone, they don't add you. When you are in a room and somebody says, everyone, come forward, you can say, well, you know, I don't think I'm everyone. Everyone means you. The gospel is for everyone. 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 And then the writer of the passage defines everyone in two categories. And I like how he defined it. He says to the Jew and to the Greek or to the Gentile. To the Jew and to the Gentile. So what does that mean? It means the gospel is for those who seem religious. Those who have a tradition or religion that makes them aware of God. The Jews had a special covenant with God, yet they needed the gospel. In other words, the writer is saying, yes, Abraham had a covenant. Yes, God had a covenant with Moses on Mount Sinai, but you still need to be saved. You need the gospel. The gospel is for people who have a religious background. Some of them grew up in Christian homes and they grew up in church. My children need the gospel. They can't be saved because their pastor, their father is pastor. Many times when we've had children discussing with our children, I'm just always I'm impressed when they tell me when they got saved. They don't say, oh, oh we were, because we're your children, we think we are saved. No. They tell me at this point and in my life, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Each one of them knows the point when they accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Although they grew up in a Christian home, their father is a pastor and I think a good pastor too. And their mother is a pastor and I think a good one too. But they needed to be saved. So it says, to those of you who think you are Jews and you have a special bond with God, you need the gospel. And there are people who come to church and you ask them, are you a Christian? They say, I go to ICGC. Are you a Christian? I go, I, I go to Otterbill's church. Yeah, it's good to come to Otterbill's church and go to ICGC. But that doesn't make you a Christian. Just like going to a garage doesn't make you a car. Are you a car? Yes, I'm parked in the garage. Yeah, card box, card boxes can be parked in the garage. A mower can be parked in the garage. And even a human being can be parked in a garage. That doesn't make them a car. Being in a garage doesn't make you a car. Being in a church doesn't make you a Christian. For you to become a Christian, Jesus Christ must be in your heart. That's the gospel to the Jew 
To those who think they have a covenant with God, those who seem religious go to church all the time. The gospel is for them. And then he talks about the Gentiles, those who don't seem to be religious. So the gospel is for those who go to church and those who don't go to church. Bad people and good people. Thieves and choir singers. You say, well, I sing in the choir. You need the gospel. I'm an arm robber. You need the gospel. Ah, but don't, doesn't my singing in the choir give me more points than the arm robber? No. It doesn't give you more points. Doesn't attending church give me more points than somebody who has never been to church? It doesn't give you more points because the Bible says God has concluded that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Those who go to church, those who don't go to church have all sinned. So there are people in this church who are not born again. Sunday after Sunday, they watch other people get born again. They think long-term membership (laughs) or long-term attendance somehow saves them. Long-term membership of church doesn't save you. If my children need to be saved, then you whose father (laughs) was a bad boy, You think you don't need to be saved. I need to be saved. My children need to be saved. Salvation cannot be passed on genetically. Every child, everybody at a point in life must make a decision for themselves whether they receive Jesus Christ as Lord or not. It's good to be born in a Christian home because it opens you to the gospel very early. That's the advantage. But sometimes to being in a Christian home can harden you to the gospel very early. Because you hear it so many times, you get bored with it. So whether you are a Jew or you are a Gentile, the gospel is for you. It's for good people, it's for bad people. For nice people, for nasty people. For church going people, for people who have never been to church. For those who go to the shrine and those who go to the church, all of them need the gospel. And when the gospel comes into their lives, it transforms them. So they don't go to the shrine any longer. They now go to the house of the Lord. Not just to be among the saints, among the number when the saints go marching in, but really to become part of the body of Christ. To become part of Christ. So, who is the gospel for? For everyone. Those who seem religious, those who don't seem religious. How do we receive the gospel? How do we receive it? If salvation is free, how do we receive it? The passage we read answers that. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. Not everyone who goes to church, but everyone who believes. We receive the gospel by believing. That's very important. 
the way you receive something you've worked for is different from the way you receive something you have not worked for. So, for example, if you work very hard, very, very hard, and some of you are very hardworking people, and maybe you submit a work, a project, or something like that, and it goes through a very rigorous test, and your project is accepted. Whom are you proud of? Whom do you become a proud of? Yourself. You look at it and say, oh, my project was good. And it passed. Because I'm a good project writer. I'm proud of myself. Why? I work for it. So when you hear the announcement, you've been accepted, you celebrate yourself because you did it. But what if... You didn't write any project. And then some group of people came and said, we've awarded you. It shouldn't happen, but let's just say it. Let's happen. Things happen in this Ghana. But, <laughs> but let's just say that, just for the purpose of illustration. You, you are just told, you've been awarded the contract. You didn't ask for. You're going to ask, what did I do to deserve it? Is that not what you're going to ask? What did I, I didn't submit any proposal. I didn't write any report. What did I do to reserve it? Who recommended me? What did they say for me? Why? Because at that time, you know, it doesn't depend on you. When you work for your salvation, you think you must praise yourself for your salvation. But when you are there and somebody dies for you and gives you salvation free of charge, you ask, what have I done to deserve all of this? And that is how we receive salvation. We don't work for it. It is free. And we always look at the person who gave it all to us and we ask, what did we do to deserve this? What did you do? And, and he says, you did nothing. I did it all. You just have to believe that what I did was for you. So we receive it by believing. Not by working but by believing. We must believe in the finished work of Christ. The Christ has done the work for us. He died on the cross for us. He bore the punishment for our sins. He suffered in our place. He rose from the dead for us. He was accepted in heaven for us. He has done all that needs to be done for us to be saved. Don't try to do it yourself. He's done it all. When somebody has done it all, all you need to do is to say, thank you. Not to myself, but to the one who did all. We have to believe that he has finished it. There is nothing you can do to add to your salvation. It's all been paid for. If you pay for it, you're not smart. It's like the lady who was standing by the roadside and uh, carrying a big load and had a lift from somebody by the roadside. The person drove by and says, oh, lady, you're suffering so much, you're carrying this load. 
come, come and sit in the car and, and, and give her a lift. And she comes to sit in the car and still carrying her load. The guy says, why are you carrying the load? She says, well, taking me is enough. I don't think you should carry my load too. When Jesus carries you, he carries just not only you, but every burden you are carrying. Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Don't come to Jesus and still carry your load. You come to him, you sit in the car, you take the load and put it in the car. He is your career. Believe that he has finished the job. And when we believe, we receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We receive him as Lord and Savior. All we do is to say, Lord Jesus, thank you for what you did for me. You are my Savior. And you will never proclaim anybody else as Savior. You are my only Savior. You are the only one who died for me. You are the only one who rose again from the dead. And today I have received what you have done for me. And that is when we say the person has received Jesus as their Lord and personal Savior. Why do we say personal? Because he's not just a general Savior. He is, in a sense, he died for the whole world. But at this point, you have personally received him as your Lord. So how do we receive the gospel? We believe it. We believe in the finished work of Christ. And we receive Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior. Final question. After we've done all of that, we've received the gospel. How should we treat the gospel? What should be our attitude towards the gospel? How should we treat it? Well, the verse answers that question. I am not ashamed of the gospel. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Don't be ashamed of it. Don't be ashamed to stand for Jesus Christ. Don't be ashamed of it. Fully embrace the gospel. Don't embrace it half-heartedly or with uncertainty. Be enthusiastic about your faith. Fully embrace it. I'm a believer. I'm born again. I'm a child of God. Tell people about it. Don't be ashamed to read your Bible. Don't be ashamed to pray. I like praying before I eat, not because the food is bad, but just gratitude to God. Not because the food needs sanctification. I believe it was well cooked. It is good. And I can eat it without prayer. And I'll be fine. The food is not poison. But I believe that anytime God blesses me with something, I must thank him. And I believe that before I put food in my mouth, I must thank him. In, you know, in, the, in the olden days, even our fathers and mothers who didn't know Christ, when they were going to eat, they would take a piece of the food and throw it to the ground. To Asasiya the God of the earth. That's what they believed in. So they'll pour some of the water on the ground and, and put some of the food on the ground just to honor 
whom they think has given it to them. That's their prayer. So I believe that as Christians, before we put food in our mouth, we must thank him. It may be just a word to say, thank you, Lord. It, some people pray a long prayer, Father, in the name of Jesus. I come against any demonic entity that has entered this food. That's not what I'm talking about. I believe that when you are, you, you, you are going to eat, you must, you must pray and thank God that he has blessed you with food. And so I pray. I pray at home. And when I'm in a restaurant and nobody's praying, I still pray. When I'm in an aircraft and I'm serving food, nobody prays. I still pray. Because they don't know whom I know. They don't know the Jesus I know. And, and just because people don't know what you know should not mean that then you feel embarrassed to let them know what you know. Who knows? Just that prayer of acknowledging God will speak to somebody's heart that there is somebody who acknowledges God as the giver of life. All I'm saying is, don't be ashamed of God. Don't be ashamed of Christ. And Paul says, I'm not ashamed of him. Fully embrace the gospel. Not only fully embrace it, faithfully live it. If you're not ashamed of it, then live it boldly. Let the life of Christ be manifested in your life. Do things differently. You're running a party in your home. Let people know that you are a Christian when they come to your home. That this is a Christian home. This is a Christian party. I'm not going to give rules for you. But every time you are living your life, be conscious you are representing Christ. And represent him well. Represent him well. You have a birthday party. You're doing an event. There's something being done for you. Let Christ... Be seen. Don't be ashamed of him. So faithfully live out the gospel. And freely declare it. Share the gospel. Tell people about Christ and what he has done for you. Declare it boldly. And finally, firmly defend it. Firmly defend it. Stand for the gospel. Promote the gospel. When people lie about it, speak the truth about it. Defend it. Firmly do it. We don't defend the gospel by fighting with salts. We defend the gospel with the truth. And with our testimony of what Christ has done for us. Somebody says, I don't believe. You say, well, I don't know. But this is what I know. The blind man who was healed by Jesus didn't have theological training. They said to him, well, what has happened to you is not real. This man is not real. And they were attacking Jesus. They came to him and said, what do you say? He says, well, I don't understand all this big argument. But once I was blind, now I see. That's all. I don't know about the Big Bang and I don't know about all these scientific things you are talking about. But this is what Jesus did for me. And that is my defense. I know he lives in me. He lives, he lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and he talks with me. A long life's narrow way. He lives and you ask me how I know he lives. He lives 
within my heart. I know it. That's our defense. It's not theory. It's not learning Greek and Hebrew. Once I was blind, now I see. I didn't know him. I know him. And this is what he has done for me. That is how we testify of the gospel. We're not ashamed of it. Well, before we close, we must give the chance for people to receive the gospel. I like the hymn that was sung at Billy Graham's crusades when he gave the invitation for people to come and receive Christ. It was just as I am without one plea. You don't come to Jesus having polished yourself. You come just as you are. Just as you are. If you are a sinner, you come as you are. You, you have turned away from God. You come as you are. Whatever your situation, this morning before I close, I want to give you the opportunity not just to hear the good news, but to receive it in your heart. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you are here this morning and you want to give your life to Jesus Christ, you want to embrace this gospel, you want to believe him for your salvation, you want to accept him as your personal Lord and Savior, you want to be settled about where you are going when you die and leave this earth that you're going to heaven. You want to be secured in his hand. There is only one Savior and his name is Jesus. And this morning, I present him to you. If you are here this morning, you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and your personal Savior. You want to be born again. You want to have a new life in Christ. If that is your desire, wherever you are, if you want Jesus Christ to come into your heart, I want you not to be ashamed of him. I want you to lift up your right hand wherever you are, saying, I want Jesus to come into my heart. Lift up your hand if you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. Whether you come to church or you don't come to church, this is your first time or this is your thousandth time. A Jew or a Gentile, the gospel is for you. If you want to receive Jesus, let your hand be up. And you're going to pray to receive Jesus Christ into your heart this morning as your Lord and your Savior. I'm going to ask you to put your hand on your heart as a sign of your faith in him. That what you're saying is sincere, it's from your heart. What you're saying is right. It's out of your faith. Put your hand on your heart. And we're going to pray a prayer. I'll lead you in that prayer. The whole church will pray that prayer together with us. And say with me, Heavenly Father, I come to you today just as I am. I am a sinner. I cannot save myself. I ask you, Father, have mercy on me. Wash me and cleanse me with the blood of Jesus. Today, I ask you to accept me as your child. I confess today that Jesus Christ is Lord and I proclaim him as my Savior. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Live in me. Empower me by your Holy Spirit. From today, I have declared, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. From today, I am yours and you are mine. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.
Thank you for listening to Living Word. To interact with Pastor Mensah Otebill, like his page on Facebook. Follow him on Twitter at Mensah Otebill. Email otebill at centralgospel.com or call plus 233-302-688-000.